and two and two. I'm going to read from John's Gospel. And I'm going to sort of read and I think um, talk at the same time in the sense of, uh, I'm not just going to read it through. It's a familiar passage to many, but it's, the, it's, it's Jesus talking to his disciples. He's talking to them about what happens when he leaves. They're pretty traumatized in a sense because they've only known the living God through Jesus in a very, very sort of relational way with Jesus, but there's lots of mystery in it. So be encouraged. And uh, this is uh, the annual general meeting report as far as I'm concerned. In other words, the vision for this church is that we will continue to grow in a journey of people who know God to be extraordinary and who want to walk in that way. It's my report. Father, we bless you that you are a living God, and we thank you that as you look upon us this morning, you have extraordinary love for your people. You know us, you know our hearts, you know everything about us. And there are times where you delight to embrace us, there are times where you absolutely delight to walk alongside us, and then there are times when you grieve over us because you say, how I long that you would enter into more. And we confess to you our fear or our willfulness. And so we just ask you this morning that as we read your word, as we open your word, we would not be afraid of you. Or afraid of what you might do with us if we give you more room. Thank you that you don't condemn us, that you know us. But you do love us with a passion that will disturb us, will convict us, will push us from time to time. But we pray most of all that we would be inspired by your love this morning and that you would cause us to be hungry for more of you. And that we would hear the good news that you are able to do exceedingly more than we can ask or imagine. So we don't want to settle for where we are. And Holy Spirit, will you speak to us and be present among us Otherwise, these words are nothing but sound. And we want more than that. In Jesus' name. We're talking this morning about the difference that God makes. And uh, that's why I really wanted also to ask uh, Ted if he would speak, because there's, a, there's a, a transformation that God works in us that is um, something we want to anticipate and expect and shoot for. Uh, did you put the correct tape on? Thing? So Jesus said this to his disciples. He said, if you love me, you will obey what I command. And quite often we switch off after that because it's, not, it's more obedience stuff. You will obey what I command. So God does a, a command some things like love one another and Love the Lord your God, but it's. He then qualifies it, and, and in a sense, all we're talking about this morning is Jesus says, This is what I command, and then he says, I'll help you do it. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The Spirit of Truth. 
The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. Jesus is saying that there's a way of living in the world where you do not see God and you do not understand his spirit. And there's a way of living in this world where you do see him and you do understand his spirit. And the way to come from that place of not seeing him to seeing him is through Jesus, who said in other ways, in other places, I am the way, I am the door, I am the way to the Father, God. Without Jesus, God is a revelation, God is just a power. With Jesus, God reveals himself as personal, as loving, as forgiving, as merciful, as joyful, as kind. All the attributes of a personality and a relationship are revealed in Jesus. It's the only place in spirituality where God is revealed in that way. All religions aren't equal. They don't all say the same things. Christianity is the only faith that speaks about a God who comes to earth and reveals himself personally and has done something about the gap between God and human beings. But Jesus wasn't merely saying, I'm going to give you all truth, which means you're going to learn the facts about what it means to be a Christian so you can live it in your own strength. He's not talking about truth merely in an intellectual, factual form, because as we read through this passage, we find that he's actually talking a lot about relationship. So when Jesus says, do what I command, he then talks about love all the time. And he comes up with this phrase, and he says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. On that day you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and obeys them, he is the one who loves me. He who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. What's the vision for Jericho Road? It's not to be an orphanage. Do you know what an orphan feels like? Ted does. An orphan feels like somebody who has nowhere to go. An orphan feels like someone, someone, someone who has no one to support them. They have no safe place. They have no home. An orphan feels alone. An orphan feels there's no one who unconditionally loves them. They don't have a father or a mother who unconditionally loves. You can be an orphan with a father and mother. An orphan is a a lonely place. I wonder how many orphans are here. Do you remember the pictures of orphanages in uh, some of the European countries or after the earthquakes you see pictures of orphans and you see their eyes and some of the ones in the uh, uh, Czechoslovakia, remember those horrific ones that came out of Romania where you see these, ma- these kids in cots and they've been there sucking their thumb for months or years and your heart goes out to them, right? You know, God looks upon us and he sees the same stuff. 
And he sees the inside of us and he sees the loneliness and he sees the desperation and he sees the survival mentality and he sees the cry for love that doesn't even get cried out anymore because it's given up. And an orphan that's never been met is easily recognizable because they're angry and they're very withdrawn. And adults who are orphans don't come out very far at all. And Jesus said to his disciples, the, 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 the history of Israel has got so many orphans. When I found you and when I called you, you were orphans. He said, I want to leave you as orphans. I didn't, it is not the will of my Father that his creation, you and me, are orphans. And you know, when you've been deprived or there's a deficit, like a love deficit, you're scared of the thing, very thing that you're deprived of. So guess what? Somebody offers you the thing that you want most and you, you, you don't know how to receive it. I speak from experience. I'm sure many of us do. That's why sometimes when God presses in on us, it feels uncomfortable and we feel afraid. And he keeps on pressing in and we run away. And he says, I love you. I'm trying to get through to you. And we go, no, no, no. And so we say, please help me, God. And he comes over, no, no, no. Please help me, no, no, no. We don't know what to do with the process of change or him drawing close. And Jesus just said to his disciples, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you and my father will come to you. We're talking about living either as orphans in this world or as sons and daughters of the living God. An orphan cannot lead anybody anywhere. An orphan can't lead you to a father. An orphan can share information, can have causes can have strong beliefs, but they can't lead you to a father if they don't know a father. The church is full of orphans around the world, campaigning for things, but there's no father love present in a world that is crying out for the father's love. We can't give away what we don't have. You know what an orphan is like. Remember the story of the prodigal son? The prodigal son comes back, he's embraced, there's a big party. The other brother is outside working hard, he's an orphan. The older brother is an orphan. He works hard for the Lord and he says, you never once, and he said, you could have asked any time. From the father's perspective, the older brother was a dearly loved son. From the brother's perspective, he was so bitter and twisted, he never entered into the relationship the father was inviting him to. It's easy to do. Jesus said, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. 
What would you expect if the Father and Jesus and the Holy Spirit had made their home in somebody? I would expect where God the Father isn't and Jesus isn't, the windows are closed, everything's shut down. I would expect where God the Father is present, the windows are open. I would expect when you uh, went close to that house, you would hear music all the time. You would hear dancing, because if you want a description of the Father's house, it's the prodigal son. The music was playing and people were dancing and he came outside the house to the father, to the son and said, why don't you come and join me? And he listened to the sound of the music and he said, I despise that. And the father said, son, come, come in. I love you. And his anger was such that he wouldn't go in. Well, we don't know when he went in. Can you tell the difference between a family that's dancing and a family that's toiling? If you want a vision for Jericho Road, this is it. A place where there's music and life and laughter because the Father is setting us free. Not because we're great. I want this vibe in my heart. You know what the Father's house looks like? It's open windows, open doors transparency. You can come in. Welcome. Yeah, it's, it's not perfect. I mean, the, the milk boiled over the stove and, and there's dirt somewhere. But hey, none of us are perfect. You're welcome in. You can see my dirt. That's okay. Imagine if I said, I'm coming to your house right now and you're not allowed to go in first. Would it matter? God the Father invites us to a place of relationship and he says when I am in you there is a vibrancy that is living and very very attractive to a world that is shut down all this I have spoken while still with you but the counselor the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you peace I leave with you my peace I give to you I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. I don't know if it stirs you, but it stirs me. I've been so much in churches where there is just religion as opposed to relationship. So I want to talk in the last bit about Paul. And Paul is a... Uh, don't you hate this music? It's so irritating. I'm teasing you. I have it all the time, actually. I bop around here. Paul is a guy that we've, we know. Paul was this, this man who, whose life was transformed. He described himself in Acts 22 as a murderer as a persecutor of the church as a man who in the name of religion was very very um, cruel 
He was responsible for the death of the first Christian, uh, one of the first Christian leaders, Stephen. They watched him getting stoned. He had the heart to watch it. In other words, he was a piece of work. He had been so anesthetized that he could go around drawing women and children out of homes because they were Christian, throwing them in prison, and probably being responsible for more than one death. So this God who died on the cross with Jesus and rose again was not some... um, He's, he's, he's not a, a, a mild, meek character. And with Paul, he was tough. And he's, in, in Acts 22, he says, uh, I am a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, but brought up in the city under Gamaliel. I was thoroughly trained in the law of our fathers and was just as zealous for God as any of you are today. I persecuted the followers of this way to their death, arresting both men and women and throwing them into prison as also the high priest and all the council can testify. And then Jesus appeared to him. And Paul was struck blind. And you know the story. He, for three days he was blind and then somebody came, Ananias came to him and laid hands on him and he was healed. And he went off for about 14 years for God to work, I think, on his character and to bring healing into his life. And then he was released as probably the greatest intellect in Christian history. The power of God's Spirit at work in a man. And Paul went around after 14, 15 years. Barnabas went to fetch him. And last time I spoke, we talked about how Paul, when he was uh, traveling around, ended up in prison because he had he'd healed somebody and then he had... He had done something that had an impact on the uh, economy of a town. And so uh, they, they wanted him arrested. And, they, and Paul and Silas ended up in prison. And you remember in the middle of the, in, in prison at midnight, they were singing songs. This man who had killed people was now a man who was singing songs after having been flogged. And... People were astounded because initially there was this rumor, this man who used to kill is is now talking about Jesus and they were very suspicious. But eventually Paul persuaded them by the integrity of his life that that change was real and lasting. And in Acts uh, 19, we come to Paul uh, where he, he comes to Ephesus. This is after he's been set free from prison. And this is really uh, what I'm, I'm, I'm wanting to get to because uh, Paul comes to Ephesus and he found some disciples there and he asks them a really strange question. He says to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, no, we have not even heard there is a Holy Spirit. I love their openness. Ask that question Today, what do you mean? I'm a Christian, I'm as good as you. We get so defensive, we get so negative so quickly. I want to talk about that in a positive way. (laughs) Paul asked them, what baptism did you receive? And they said, John's baptism. And John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. It was, you have sinned and God uh, will forgive you. And they said, yeah, we agree with that. And so they went into John's baptism of repentance. 
And part of becoming Christian is saying, Lord, I ask you to forgive my sin. Thank you, Jesus, that you died on the cross for my sin, that you took my punishment, and thank you that you have set me free. Well, that is the beginning of the Christian life. It's not the end. Many churches, you would think it was the end of it. The only question you ask is, are you born again? Which is kind of like, yeah, then what? How do you live again? So the question I ask myself as I read about Paul, who's now been around for over you know, 16, 17 years as a Christian, who knows what it's like to be transformed, he comes to these guys in Ephesus and he says, why does he even ask the question? Is he expecting to see something? I think he is. Because he seems to say, if he remembers Jesus' teaching, which is, I will send you the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit will come and make their home with you, and the Father will make his home, I think Paul would say, I know what it's like to live apart from God, empty of the Holy Spirit. And I also know what it's like to live with God the Father, Jesus in me, and filled with the Holy Spirit. And so Paul would push things and he would say, when I come to see you, am I going to hear words or just see power as well? I think this is what Paul's getting at, and I'm going to give you an illustration. Because if you like me, I think most of us actually don't like this kind of talk beyond a certain point. In other words, I love the theory but I'm not too comfortable with this evidence stuff. Do you know what I mean? Let me show you. I've got some stuff here that is very familiar. What is that? Screwdriver. If I had, um, say, one of the big guys here, Max Benton, come up, you don't need to, and Elfra, and I had a row of screws here, and I gave Max the screwdriver, and I gave Elfra this. And Elfra knew how to use it. An 85 or 86-year-old lady would beat him completely, taking screws out of him. Right? Do you agree with that, Max? Why? You wouldn't have the strength and you also wouldn't have the power. I think Paul went to Ephesus and he saw this. And he said, this and this are very, very, very different. I think um, you can, you know, this is, this is the same thing, same principle. This will knock in, ooh, uh, a nail a second or two. Boom, 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 boom. This you could hammer away for quite a while, very nobly. I built half my house with this, I can tell you, there's no, no competition. Something missing here, though, isn't there? And that is, it needs the power, the compressor. 
I think Paul, when he went to Ephesus, saw this. I think when Jesus spoke to his disciples, he said, I don't want to leave you like that. Because I've lived among you like this. And I'm not setting you a good example. I'm opening up a new way for you. So, difficult question. Can you tell the difference between these two? So, if Paul could tell the difference, and Jesus said there would be a difference, look at this difference. The equivalent of this in this is that. This is the little screw head. When John saw Jesus, he said, Behold the Lamb of God, you must increase, I must decrease. So when Paul saw this, he says, There's way too much of you guys around. And not much power. Paul would say, this is me. I used to be that. But when I said yes to Jesus, I entered into a relationship that was empowered beyond imagination. So you read in Acts. What do you read? God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left him left them. Paul spoke with power and then he also, God, worked through him with power. What happens if that's what God's really saying to all of us? See, what we'd say is, oh, no, 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 I I don't, I don't, I don't. And you go, it's not about you, it's about where you're placed. It's about who lives in you. So what's the problem? The problem is, to be perfectly blunt, I could call each one of you up here right now and we'd know where you were. I could tell. How would I tell? It's not judgment now, it's discernment. It wasn't judgment when you said this is different to this, it was discernment, right? So don't be defensive, because if I'm this, I really want to be that. Our problem is we're trying to defend this because we don't have a theology for that and we have a life that falls somewhere in between and nobody's interested, right? Not even us. That's why the Canaxis game is more exciting than church. Because there's a counterfeit power that gets us. But you start seeing God working through you and healing people. It'll put that to shame. The only problem is you can't be this and this. So you've got to allow God to work in you. What is, how do you know that the Holy Spirit is alive in you? Do you think? What do you think Paul was looking for? I think it's real, real simple. I don't think it's awkward. I don't think it's difficult at all. Imagine these two walking along together. They both know Jesus. I guess this one could walk like this and say, well, I wish you were like me, tough. 
Or they might say, do you know that there's a greater power than just having to grind this thing out one screw at a time? What would be like for this one to start saying, you know what, I used to be like that. And then I heard that Jesus released power, and so I said, I want that power. So he said, well, all you have to do is come and ask. So I connected myself, and I found a power that's way beyond mine. And everything is so much easier. I mean, I used to try like this to... To have peace and joy and patience and kindness and goodness. They were all commands. And Jesus said, you're not going to keep these commands like this. But when you come into my house and I live in you, peace and love and joy will start flowing through you as you experience them for yourself. That's what will make the extraordinary in the culture in which we live. When people see love, joy, peace, patience, kindness effortlessly coming through our relationships. Because this one boasts about the power that makes the work so much easier. And that's what Paul was saying. And that's what the Christian church is longing for. I think this one sings praises to the power within it. Worship is great. It boasts about Jesus. Why? Because it knows without him it's got nothing. This one talks about stuff but doesn't have any power. Which do you want to be and which are you? Now, when I say that, it's a work in progress. But nevertheless, it's really clear what you do. And I would just encourage us to ask the question this morning as we reflect on what kind of church we want to be, what kind of people we want to be. The biggest issue in human beings is independence, pride, self-sufficiency. And God's saying, come to me and I'll give you what you don't have. And others will see it. You can lay hands on the sick and start seeing them being healed. How do I know that? Well, you try. And you keep doing it. And that's what we're doing. We're practicing it until we get good at it. We practice until we get good at it. You have to learn how to use power tools. But every power tool in the box will boast about the power that's behind it. Because they say, I can't do anything on my own. for all of us. God wants to do extraordinary miracles in you and me. And there's not one person here that he doesn't say, you can have it all. The only issue is that we need one another. I mean, you know, I might have power tools, but I would need Max to help me to learn how to use them properly. And if he, said, if he saw half the stuff I've built, he would shake his head and go, I don't know, you don't need to use quite as many nails and it's not quite as good. 
You know what I mean? In other words, it's not just about us accessing power without direction. It's about us humbly learning together how to walk in the power of God, that his life and his love will be among us and in us. And how instead of being defensive about our emptiness, we just ask for help and say, show me how to do this. Let's, let's help each other. Let's stand together and let's ask God to help us. There are two questions as we, we stand here. The one is our relationship with Jesus in terms of are we orphans or are we daughters or sons? And the way to be a daughter or a son is merely to say thank you Jesus for coming into this world, for dying on the cross for me and for taking care of the stuff in my life that has separated me from you. So you tell God what you respond to him like this morning in your own heart. Because he says to you right now, wherever you feel orphaned, I want to be there as a father for you. You don't need to be alone. And maybe for some of us we need to be reminded of that. Very, very lovingly he embraces us and says, I can help you. You don't have to smarten up your act before you come to me. Or perhaps you've forgotten that I can help you and you've got used to trying to do it on your own and so you're trying to keep my commands I don't need your help. You need my help. And some of us maybe are sort of using hand tools and we're so tired. And God the Father wants to draw alongside us this morning and says, you know, I have power for you to love. I have power for you to live. I have power for you for everything in your life. Receive my power. And so Holy Spirit, just pray that you will release your power among us right now. The part that God wants us to do is we have to also press and we have to interact. It is a relationship. And so our part is to respond and say, Lord, I want to be filled with your Spirit. Lord, I want to be forgiven. Lord, I realize that you're speaking to me and I'm convicted. Thank you that you don't condemn me. Lord, I want to receive your power so that I can love more. I want to receive your power so that I can be more bold. You know what it is. You know where you feel powerless today. And God's not condemning you. He's saying, of course you're powerless. Everybody's powerless without me. So that's really good that you're aware of it. Now let me fill you. So receive the Holy Spirit. For some of us, the Lord wants to release the Holy Spirit. He's imprisoned inside us. Because it's not a possession, it's a relationship. And sometimes we get stuck because we forget to let go. 
See, Christianity is a journey that's walked with others along a road that brings about change. Where there's no change, all we are is on a treadmill. But the Lord Jesus walks right up beside us now and he's turned on the music and he's opened up the house and he says, let's live in you with greater abandon than ever before. Let's live in you to such a degree that people are going to come up to your house and say, what's going on in there? And instead of making excuses, why don't you say, Lord, I would love it if my life was so lit up that other people would go, what is different about you? Would you like him to do that? Well, ask him, because he'd love to. So, Holy Spirit, we pray that you will take these words, you'll take these thoughts, you'll take these emotions in us, and you will help us live in the fullness and the power of a friendship with you that makes a difference. And we ask you to make a difference in us today. So that if Paul were to come to our house and ask, he wouldn't have to say, what spirit did you receive? What baptism did you have? He would know. And we pray, Father, for one another that we would be people who do extraordinary things because you live in us and among us. And I pray for this church that we would, we would continue to move beyond the talking about it into the experiencing of it day by day. So we pray you do what you say you do and that is Pour out your anointing that the blind will see, chains will be broken, the sick will be healed, the lame will walk, the blind will see. And the invitation to you and me today is that we would know ourselves to be loved as sons and daughters. We would also know ourselves to be empowered by the Spirit to be those who can share that extraordinary good news with others. In Jesus' name, amen.